If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you are, or good night. I don't know. We're here, heard all over the world, so whatever part of the day it is, welcome. And if you're sleeping, more power to you. No lie. <laughs> then why are they listening? Osmosis or something? No, they may, when they wake up, they may play it. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm Myrna. I'm Myrna. You're Annette. Annette. Or we, known as Annie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we want to thank you for joining us. And we just kind of want to inform you of stuff that's going on in, in, in our programs, okay, for the for the next um, three, well, actually, for all of all, all of, of July. One. Yeah, all of July. And we are, and if you want to, we are now live on Facebook also. So here we are. Um, the July 12th show is a live interview with Levi um, from prison now. Levi's interview was, first interview was, was um, aired on October 19th of 2018 and he is he is consistently the top our number one show and if you have not heard the October 19th um, show about Le- from Levi then you need to go to that before you listen to our next Friday show because next Friday we will be interviewing Levi again from prison and you'll need to get his background um, on the 20, and then also you would want to probably listen to December 28th, 2018 show because we interviewed his wife and two um, daughters and take a Kleenex on that one, guys. So July 12th, we're going to re-interview Levi, go back and listen to October 19th to get caught up on who he is and, and where he's at. December 28th is his family listen to that one, and then you'll be prepared to listen to our interview for next Friday, July 12th. And so then, and we're going to air, today's, right now, this segment is live, but Annette and I are going to sit, and we're going to pre-record the sec, uh, another show that will air on July 19th, July 19th, okay? And because we will be going, we will be actually in a meeting with the pre-board parole commission. We are trying to get um, Levi on parole. So that's why we're going to record July 19th show also. So we have a part one today and a part two that will be completed on July 19th. Now, on July 26th, that's a good show. And when we were in Arizona, we went to, where'd we go? Where? Where'd we go when we went to Arizona that, you know, we're going to talk to a person on July 26th? We went to heaven. <laughs> she did. She likes butterflies. I like Arizona. <laughs> she likes butterflies. I do. And so we got to go to the Butterfly Wonderland in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we met um, Adrian, And she's the director of education. And she's going to be on our show because... Um, Monarchs are... are it dies a lot, and they're pretty scarce anymore. And so we're going to do a show on butterflies, especially the mon- mm-hmm. monarchs. We're going to talk about um, some things. We're going to talk about how to do a a K 
can't think of the word we can use. Garden. Yeah, but it's a, a nursery. Or, oh, okay. Or like a sanctuary. Okay, there for, you go. For butterflies. I wanted to do it, but I don't have a place to do it. Okay. Right now. Right. For, so, but I do want to do it, and it's a plan of mine or a dream of mine if God provides and to do one mm-hmm. for butterflies. And, mm-hmm. I, and I pray that I'd get a lot of monarchs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because butterflies are awesome. They are awesome, aren't they? Okay. Yeah. So that's just getting you guys up to date on where we're going to be at and where the shows are going to be at. So, all righty. So Annette's going to introduce today's topic. Um, our, our topic today is how to witness to Muslims. Then you should. Okay, well, that's what you're going to do. That's what that the topic of that is going to be on July 19th, right? Today is just basically um, last Sunday we were in Sunday school and we talked about Muslims, right? And so this this show and the 19th show is is kind of what God laid on our hearts. So what's the topic? So today's topic is the progression of Muslims in the world. Oh, I thought it was just, uh, I thought the topics were both the same. No. So this is this the progression of of how they've grown, growed? That's not a word. How they have grown, the progression of them in just a history lesson, basically. Well, you, you didn't okay. write it for me to read, so how would uh, I know? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of right there. So, and July 19th is the one about witnessing to yeah. a Muslim, okay? Yeah. Well, I'll witness. You, you progress. Okay. <laughs> And the resources resources that we are using will be posted on Facebook because there's just too many. To, I mean, we could sit here and name, but we're, that's that's not our purpose. So, anyway, yeah. So there is Annette is going to lay a foundation of understanding about the Muslims. So, okay, I'm going to lay it lay an understanding about that. So. I have learned a lot. I've, we've, we've researched and we've studied. And um, first of all, we do not uh, intend to offend anyone. We are just giving you facts that we have found. And, and again, it's backed up with research. So um, the Islam versus Muslim. Islam is not Muslims and Muslims is, are not Islam. Okay? Islam is not Muslims and Muslims are not Islam because... Islam is the name of the religion, which means it's an act of submitting to God, and it describes the religion and the cultural concepts that accompany that, whereas Muslim is the person who practices Islam, okay? The person who participates in the act of submission. So you have a religion, and then you have a person who practices that religion. So that's the difference between Islam, the religion, and the Muslim who practices the religion of Islam. It is the fastest, according to the Pew Research Center, and that is P-E-W, Research Center. Islam is... You mean it doesn't stink? Nope, it's not Pew. It's 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 Pew, yeah. Um, Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. In fact, if the current trends continue, Muslims will surpass Christians as the world's largest religious group in the second half of this century. So... And Muslims are very dedicated, very devoted. Um, their identity is embedded within their Islam beliefs, and so much so that they do not separate themselves from their beliefs. Who they are is what they believe. And there's a worldview 
Allah created the world and the people in the world to serve him. There were um, 124,000 prophets who point to Allah, according to um, what we have studied. There were partial messages given to prophets such as Adam, Genesis, uh, who's the Adam of Genesis, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Lot, Jacob, and Jesus was also considered a prophet out of the Quran. All these prophets, like I said, are mentioned in the Quran, which is the Quran is the holy scriptures of the Islam religion. Christian's faith has the, um, the Bible. Islam faith has the Quran. So Moses, just kind of give you an example of, of how a prophet works in the Quran. Moses was given part of a message for the Israelites to fight and liberate themselves from Pharaoh. Jesus was a Messiah prophet who was given a message of grace, of non-resistance for his people. And, and Moses, um, actually, excuse me, I, I just hit a glitch in my head. Muhammad was the final, re, final prophet who received an entire revelation from Allah to pass on to his people. No law would come after this. Okay, so you had 124,000 prophets who point to Allah, but Muhammad was the final prophet who received the entire revelation from Allah to pass on to the people, and that was it. Now, Muslims chosen by Allah or God, to, they came and they offered the Jews, they offered the Christians and other religions the reformed revelation they gave them they they pointed it out and they said this is what the new revelation is and the jews rejected the the revelation and so they slowly became corrupt and left the islamic faith christians became corrupt because after jesus ascended to heaven his followers slowly began to abandon abandon the islamic faith by turning jesus into a god in doing so, they committed blasphemy and polytheism. So the polytheism has to do with many gods because we, the Christians believe in the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is the Trinity. So not only did Jews become corrupt, Christians became corrupt, which left the Islams to be, ranked to be the only incorruptible faith. So Allah has protected Islam, and Muhammad is the final messenger. The, the, the Quran is the final text, and that's what the Muslim faith believes. So they are the ultimate believers, and Allah will protect them until the end of time. So that's, that, that's why they're so strong and dedicated and passionate, because they believe that they are they're it, and that's what they're going to do. And they want to, they want to save, they, they believe they're right, and they're very passionate. So, what do you think, Annette? I think I can't seem to find what I'm looking for. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. So, that's where we're at with that, okay? Again, as Islam is the religion, Muslim is the one who, um, who submits to that religion, and Allah is their God, Muhammad is their prophet, and through the Quran, that is their instruction book, along with some other tradition books, like the Hadith. All right, so as Christians, 
this is going to start the, the growth of um, the Muslim world. Back in the early church, when Christ came, there were active churches in the New Testament. And if you go to the book of Revelation, which is the very last book in the Bible, you will see in chapters 2 and 3, and if you want to turn to chapters 2 and 3, you can do that. But in chapters 2 and 3, Christ talks about, gives um, John letters to write to seven churches. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about those letters that he wrote to those seven churches. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Well, before we went to break, we were talking about um, the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation in the, in the Bible. And um, there was the seven churches were very active and strong churches that were in Asia Minor. And Asia Minor is now Turkey. So we have these seven churches that were in modern day Turkey. And they, again, I can't emphasize enough how active they were and how um, there was a, a dedication to Jesus Christ during that time. But today, Ephesus, where I have been, um, it was, I've been to the Colosseum, but Ephesus, the, and I'm sorry, I do not mean to slaughter names, but 
I can't say them, so I apologize now. In Ephesus, the modern day um, name is S-E-L-C-U-K, Selkuk. There's only one church. In Smyrna, which is Ismir, there is up to 500 believers. In Pergamum, which is modern day Bergama, there are no churches. In Thyatira, which is modern day Akasar, no church, no believers. In Sardis, which is modern day Sart, no known Christians. In Philadelphia, which is modern day Alasiher, is Alasiher, the modern day city, is built on top of Philadelphia, which is a common theme for Muslims to take something that they've conquered, some a place where they've conquered, and build on top of it. That is very important to them. And Laodicea, the last church, which is the modern day Denisili, there are three or four Muslims that have professed Christ. So of those seven active churches, of the 73 million people who live in Turkey today, 0.2% are Christian, Jew, or other religious backgrounds. And those that are there meet secretly. I have been to Istanbul twice, and I can, I can t- contest to that. I stayed with missionaries while I was there. I stayed on the Asian side of Istanbul, and they couldn't openly talk about Christ, but in their home, they had the major, excuse me, manger scene, and they, if somebody asked about it, they could, they could talk about it. They were there, um, there, they were there as missionaries of the Jesus Christ of the Bible, but they had other jobs, and actually those jobs were the front for them to be there as a missionary. And the first time I went, I had, well, I actually have the cross on right now, the necklace that I wrote, I, um, I wore. And the first time I was there, I could wear, I, I ran around with the teenagers because that was my job to minister to the teens. And so I ran around with a couple of guys and who, has, you know, when you were there with natives, you get to see more. And it was a lot better than just being a tourist. And so we would walk by mosques and everything, and we would just kind of do the Istanbul thing. And I wore my necklace on the outside. They said it was okay. It doesn't, you know, that's fine. And then that year, we were supposed to leave on on a Tuesday, but our plane tickets and everything got messed up, and we had to leave on a Monday. Well, God took us out of there because on that Tuesday, the next day that we were supposed to leave, there was a, a massive earthquake. And, um, and we would have been there for that. So God took us out. But what I want to say, too, is when I was there that day, that time, the first time, the women were not traditionally dressed. They were very openly dressed. And so that was, um, that was interesting to me. They were, so then when I went back a year later, everything had changed everything. The women were in, more women were in traditional dresses, their outfits, their, um, I can't remember what it's called, and I'll probably slaughter the name. I think it's called a jilbab, but I'm not sure. And again, forgive me for not pronouncing that correctly. But, and, um, and also, when I ran around with the same teenagers, I had to put my necklace inside my shirt, my cross inside my shirt, and not let it show. Because they said that I would get beaten up if, I, if they saw the cross that I wore. 
And so I put it in the inside of my shirt because I didn't want to get beat up. But um, I liked the way they protected me. But that's the, that was the difference of one year. Because of the earthquake, they felt like Allah had punished them for not being good Muslims. And he brought the earthquake to punish them. So they went back into their, more into their traditions. Um, the fact that Turkey was once dotted with churches is, not, is now 99.8% Muslim today serves as evidence that Christianity does not always prevail in the place it was established. Okay, at one time, North Africa was predominantly Christian. By the 12th century, Christianity had, Christianity had been largely wiped out by the, by the conquest of Islam. Then we moved to the United Kingdom. Taken, I, I ran across this, and it was so interesting, because it was, it's talking about an article that was just talking about the changing shape of Britain's mosques um, in June 2013, and that's what the article was about Britain mosques and how Muslims are learning how to adapt their place of worship to the 21st century. Now, I'm going to read a quote, and then we're going to go back and, and emphasize what it was. The quote is this, yet, and this is from a Muslim, yet, if Brit Britons wish to better fathom the changing world they inhabit, around 50% of UK Muslims attend mosque once a week, while Church of England congregations are shrinking. They could start by examining the topography of their evolving neighbors. Let's go back to that. Okay. L listen to what they said. 50% of UK Muslims attend mosque once a week, while Church of England congregations are shrinking. Who's dedicated there? You know, they could start by examining the topography of the evolving neighborhoods. Wow. I think that says a lot. The, the Muslims are far more dedicated than us Christians in some areas, because look at that. 50% of the Muslims attend mosque once a week while the Church of England congregations are shrinking. There's something there. In 2016, 4.95 million Muslims in the UK, which was 6.3% of the population, and it is estimated by 2050 to be 17.2% of the, a population. Um, there are a lot of mosques, and there's actually 1,836 1 uh, mosques. Many of them have been converted from former churches. The biggest mosque has dedicated prayer capacity of 8,000 people. And some of the leading mosques in Britain have been repeatedly caught on undercover film proclaiming hatred and violence against non-Muslims. I also found another article. It came out of the, um, oh, crud, the, the telegraph, um, uh, telegram or telegraph. I can't remember. I'll have to go back to my, uh, let me look, let me look. Telegraph uh, newspaper. And this woman went, this reporter went undercover. She went into a mosque, one of the biggest mosques in Britain, to see if um, what was going on in the mosque and if they were still preaching what they were supposed to be preaching. And that was peace and um, harmony with, among others. And, and so this, I'm going to just pull inserts. And I hate to do this instead of reading the whole article. But again, the, the, um, Resources will be on, the, on Facebook when I can get to it, okay? Hopefully today. So she went into the Regent's Park Mosque in London, widely considered the most important mosque in Britain, and um, 
she went to a, a, undercover as the woman preacher um, gives her talk. And this is what the woman preacher said. What should, what should be done to a Muslim who converts to another faith? We kill him, she says. Kill him, kill him. You have to kill him. You understand? Adulterer, adulterers, she says, are to be stoned to death. And as for homosexuals and women who make themselves like a man, a woman like a man, the punishment is kill. Kill them, throw them from the highest place. These punishments, the preacher says, are to be implemented in a future Islamic state. This is not to tell you to start killing, she says. This must, there must be a Muslim leader when the Muslim army becomes stronger, when Islam has grown enough. And she goes on to say that um, they confronted the um, leader of that mosque, and he denied everything, and um, that this that they don't they don't spread intolerance, but. She had just went undercover and had the proof. She also went to um, some a house because they are all the women were encouraged to go to a to a house church, and they were. Uh, let me see. She said to watch around London, and she says to learn about Islam or their version. And the teacher who was they gave her name Um Salim was also at some of these, and the women were given strict restrictions on their lives, such as travel, education work opportunities, and um, they were just, there was a lot of, um, what do I want to say, pro-Islam and anti, if you were not in Islam, you were um, looked down upon. And the preachers that she heard, one of them had recently returned from three years of study in Saudi Arabia, and the other preachers almost exclu exclusively directed her to the works and sermons an online site of the scholars of Saudi Arabia. And of course, when she went there again, they, they denied everything. And um, so, but she found it, she got it on tape and there again is um, copyrighted telegraph media group. And you can find that on the internet. So Muslims are growing and Muslims are, and what, notice what she, the lady said, the preacher said that it's when the Muslims are going to get in um, in government when they are going to be big enough. And that's what often people say is that they, they grow their mosques bigger than what is necessary for the upcoming population. Have you ever been, I mean, seen a mosque? Mosque? Uh -huh, we were in them. You were? Uh, oh, I was. Uh -huh, in, was it, I said, we? you weren't you are there with me in Turkey. Yes, I have yeah. been in a mosque. They're beautiful. They're, they? Oh, they're beautiful. Are they kind of like Mormon temples? I mean, a Mormon temple is beautiful. Well, in that way they are, but I mean, there's just, it's just flat. There's just like, because all they do is pray. In the area that I was at, I wasn't in any small rooms where their teachings would be going on or anything because I, that's not, they, I'm not Mormon, so I wouldn't be allowed to go in there and I wouldn't want to, but I was in a mosque where there was just the floors where you could, where you would bow and, and pray. The men would because the women weren't allowed there. But yeah, they were beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. If women weren't allowed there. How'd you get in? They weren't allowed to pray. Oh, in there. But they could go in. We were allowed to go in there mm -hmm. and visit. Hmm. But it wasn't during any of the prayer times. You know, they they pray five times a day, and we weren't allowed to go in any yeah. of those times. Did do you did you get any research on what whether we have how many mosques we have here in the United, in States? United States? Oh, I can tell you that. Yeah, let me look. I think I can tell you that. Um, so I thought that would be interesting to to know how many 
in the United States has managed. I know we've got some because I know there's a mosque built like I think in New York or somewhere around then. There's mosques in New York. In fact, the biggest mosque I think is in New York. Um, But I thought that would be interesting to know about how many. And I'm not sure, but I think in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Oh, there's there's some. Oh, yeah, there's mosques wherever there's Muslims because that's their house of worship. So, um, no, I do not have. I don't have to be big and elaborate. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The overall number of mosques in the United States quietly rose from 1,209 in 2000 to 2,106 in 2010, an increase of 74%. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And do you know, this is what I believe, that any, any religion that works as good as they do at spreading the word of it and spreading things around people, they grow faster because they, they work hard at They're it. They're passionate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they work hard at what they do. So they're going to spread a lot more and gain more people because they do work harder at mm-hmm. it. And the one thing I think our religion with Jesus Christ doesn't work as hard at, at they're not passionate. We're not passionate. No, we're passionate. I, I, I can't tell you that all of our people aren't passionate about Christ. I, I think they're passionate, but they, they're, they're not passionate about going out and spreading the word. Exactly. They don't want to go door to door. They don't feel they need to. They feel like they could spread the word more by, what, by their acquaintance. acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Friendship. Friendship. Mm-hmm. Everybody has friends, mm-hmm. and so they figure that way. But what about people that don't know us? Mm-hmm. You know, that you run into people in grocery stores, you run into people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Why do we not talk to strangers about right. God? And, you know, that's, that's the one thing I've always thought about is why are we not as passionate as they are? That's right. About spreading. We're going to hit on that when we do the witnessing, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I can tell. Well, I got a lot yeah. of stuff flows through my that's head. That's right. You do. Like when we were told to do this, it was funny because God talked to you and me both about it yep. about the same time. Yep, at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. Yep. So, but in the United States right now, um, from 2017, it, from the Pew Research, there is United States is home to an estimated how many? 11%. Yeah. Well, one oh, 3.45 five million. million. Yeah. Three point four Muslims. Okay, and what? Okay, so we gave what by twenty fifty. What do they think will happen? How many Muslims do you think? What did the Pew people estimate? Uh, they will supersede eight point one million. Yep. Which unlimited is unlimited, making yep. two point one percent of the future population. Yep. And you know what? That's because of their passion mm-hmm. of doing what they do but you know muslims they're not a true religion i hate to say that but they're not a their religion doesn't add up and think about it how it doesn't add up because of the simple reason that jesus is the only god and muslim religion doesn't have proof of what they say and God is supposed to be a loving God and a protecting God. 
Our God says he will never leave us or forsake us. Mm -hmm. The Muslims, God does leave them and forsake them. Mm -hmm. Our God said he loves us, that he hides us in the palm of his hand. Mm -hmm. And nothing. And he died for our sins. Mm -hmm. Muslim God, does he die for your sins? No. No. You know, and it's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. When we come back from break... Let's talk about Muslim organizations in the United States and how they are affecting our court system. Yeah. And what and we have some some um, case studies actually that talks about um, what's going on, and that's in Oklahoma, Texas, and New Jersey, and um, that's just three cases that we're going to talk about. So when we come back from break, that's what we're, that's what we'll do. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. We are talking about Muslim organizations that work in the United States. Annette, you want to share some stuff on? Well, they do have a way of spreading their influence through increasing immigration buildings, building mosques and community centers, pressuring people. Mm -hmm. They have a way of pressuring people. And you know what? They use a lot of threats. Mm-hmm. Depression people mm-hmm. and uh, critical of Islam, uh, speaking critically of Islam, making efforts to uh, intimidate non-Muslims mm-hmm. and people who 
you know, don't accept their way of religion. They, uh, and we're talking, mo we're talking about the extremists, because, mm -hmm. okay, all right, yeah. Yeah, they like to take and, and criticize our religious practices mm -hmm. and even the ones that are their own people mm -hmm. that don't believe in their mm -hmm. way. I mean, there's there's Muslims. This is why we te want to teach you guys how to witness to Muslims, because there is Muslims that do not follow the harsh things uh, from um, the Quran and all that stuff. They are nice, gentle people. There's a lot of nice in all religions. There's mm -hmm. nice, gentle mm -hmm. people. So what are some of the organizations in the United States that are in, that have some influence in the court system? Do you know? Oh, okay, I know. It's, it's called CAIR, Council on American Islamic Relations. And OIC, which is Organization of Islamic Corporation, MSA, Muslim Student Association, and then the Muslim Brotherhood, which is, um, which the Trump administration is considering putting the Muslim Brotherhood um, on the terrorism list. And I, I'm just going to read to you. You see how they name it something like Muslim Brotherhood? It's supposed to be so nice and gentle, mm -hmm. and, and yet it's so horrible. Yeah, it, it comes out of Egypt, and their, their motto is this. Allah is our obje objective. The prophet is our leader. The Quran is our law. Jihad is our way. Dying in the way of Allah is our biggest hope. And that's how, what's, again, is the motto of the Muslim Brotherhood. And to the country, today, the countries that have labeled the Muslim Brotherhood as terrorist groups are Egypt, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and United Arab Emirates. I want to touch on real quick um, is the, in 2009, a family court judge in Hudson County, New Jersey. And what's so special about New Jersey in it? Um. Well, they have the greatest population by percentage mm -hmm. of, Muslims. of Muslims. Yep. So there's a pretty good amount there. He denied a restraining order to a, a woman who was, um, how old was she now? I think she's about like 17. Yeah, you're right. 17 years old who testified that her husband, a Muslim, had forced her to have non-consensual sex. And the judge said he did not believe the man had a criminal desire to her intent to sexually assault his wife because he was acting in a way that was consistent with his practices. And a state appeals court reversed the decision. And advocates of the ban in the U.S. have cited this case as an example of the need for a ban. And that is brings us to some other stuff. In, two, in 2010, over 70% of voters in Oklahoma approved the Oklahoma International and Sharia Law Amendment requiring courts to rely only upon federal or state presidents in their le in their legisl legislation. You know, it's, it's sad because that doesn't, <coughs> excuse my voice, everybody, but that doesn't go on only for Muslims mm -hmm. and stuff like that. The kind of, the kind of ruling that they put on them goes for everybody mm -hmm. because it depends on who the judge is. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say that, but it happens here too as well. Mm -hmm. We need to keep on what the what our our what a fitting time the sister life is. What a what our foundation was when we when we made when the country was made. 
and stick to what our constitution is. I strongly feel that I and agree. not change it. Okay. There is, it's called a ban on Sharia law and is legislation which prohibits the application or impl implementation of Islamic law. Okay. In courts, there are, and I'm going to go through this pretty fast. As of 2014, these are the states that have restricted Sharia law, Arizona, Kansas, Louisiana, South Dakota, Tennessee, North Carolina, Alabama, and Texas, all but 16 in by 2013, all but 16 states have considered measures to restrict judges from consulting Sharia or foreign and religious laws. And um, I found an article in, about in Irving, from Irving, Texas City Council, August 2016. Yeah, where are you, Idaho? And that just wrote a note. <laughs> Um, in Irving, Texas, in 2016, that um, they, the, the city council stood firm and banned the spreading of the, shir the Sharia at, um, and was accused of Islamophobia. And that's a new term there, and simply a simple, which the Islams have created, and it's anti-Muslim racism. And, that w and I got that from the CAIR website. That was their website. And... Basically, what happened there was these four voluntary Muslim court lawyers came in and wanted to have the, um, the Sharia law put into place in Irving, Texas. The mayor and city council said, what do you, why? And come to find out, the four voluntary Muslim court lawyers were unlicensed in the state of Kansas, state of Kansas, state of Texas, which is a, a third degree felony. She, the mayor received several phone calls, and it seems that the Islamic Tribunal, which is those guys, not only was unlicensed, but they failed to notify the city of their illegal court being operated in city limits. So um, she went to their website, and their website says, in which is in conflict of the U.S. law, that um, we follow Sharia law, and it is openly admitted, it openly admitted separate separate rules for men and women in their proceedings, discriminating and humiliating, humiliating women, which is against the U.S. Constitution, and it just goes on and on and on that does not follow the United States Constitution. And so, and it just bypasses American courts, and the Muslims that came back in were very upset that, that she went to their website and then quoted them and said, this is not what America does. And um, so every, everybody was upset. Well, they weren't. The city council wasn't. They voted them out 5-4, and, and the one person that voted for them was a Muslim who was on the city council. So her office asked for them to support the American laws for American Ports Bill and aided by the Constitution. And um, there was a big battle there, but they won. The... the um, the Irving City Council won, and so the state bill that doesn't even mention Muslims or Islam, it takes no specific um, foreign law there. So mm -hmm. there was no cause for ice, um, isophobia. Is that how I said it? Islamophobia. So there it's you go. It's almost like a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how they're trying to get in. They're trying to get into our court systems. And even, I mean, that's urban Texas. Nothing against urban Texas, okay? But in New York, what was that? New Jersey and Oklahoma. 
they're trying to just get in that way on the city level. I mean, that's on the city council to get into there, to get their laws in, their Sharia in, mm-hmm. and get that basis and then grow from there. Does that make, I mean, that's, that makes sense, doesn't yeah. it, to you? I mean, if I was going to infiltrate, that's what I would do. Well, then let's infiltrate back. Okay, what are we going to do? <laughs> I guess we're going to learn from them first. Yeah. And there's just, I mean, it's time, people. It's, you know, Christians, it's time for us to do something. And so, so what's the big deal about mosques? Well, mosques are very important because they are a place, they're, they're obviously a place to worship. And mosques are where political declarations are made, Islamic law is interpreted, and Muslims are urged to faithfully fight us, which we are called infidels. Oh, we are. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Huh? Yeah. And mosques in the West here in the United States, it's a house of war or a place not under Muslim control. And so they're out to what? Gain control? Destroy us. Yeah. Okay. Um, so mosques are very important, very, very important. And like we said earlier, Muslim conquerors build their mosques and other structures right on top of destroyed churches and other religious structures. Even private homes are Muslim in Muslim hands. So once in Muslim hands, it remains. So that territory can expand and, sit and apply for the growth and the superiority of Muslims. So... They're, again, they're, they're, they're making them bigger than they are supposed to be because they're anticipating growth. So, yeah, well, people argue that not all Muslims want to go out and conquer by bloody crusades. You're right. But, yeah. So, and, and we don't have time for that because we need to close here in two, three minutes. I'm just going to do all of it. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'm just going to do a little bit of it. But, and, and I agree that not all Muslims do that Mm -hmm. because there is peaceful Muslims, Mm -hmm. but you have to really get to know somebody to know whether they're of Mm -hmm. the destructive type. Mm -hmm. And that's why we say that, you know, know about them. It's kind of like getting to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. You've got to make a relationship to get to know somebody. That's right. So that's why we give out this information because you don't know your neighbor could end up being a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get to know them. And in the Bible, God talks about pray for your enemy, right? Yes. So that's what I think you should do. You should befriend your enemy or your neighbor, if it's a Muslim guy or a girl, and then pray for that person. God doesn't expect us to repay evil for evil. No. Can I interject? Mm-hmm. Kind of what you're saying, our world dilemma is not got good people versus bad people, right beliefs versus wrong beliefs, us versus them. It's about the Jesus of the Bible and Satan. What we're talking about is a spiritual battle. They aren't our enemy. Satan is our enemy. And we're all talking about a spiritual battle mm-hmm. because that's what it says in Ephesians 6. Christians read or anybody pick up a Bible and read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And that describes what we're fighting. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting the spiritual war. It's Satan doing it is. The, the havoc in the mm-hmm. world. But man and woman Cares. has to open their mind up and their heart up to to keep Satan out. That's Otherwise, right. 
we're making a choice to let Satan in. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's far better to choose to lock him out. Exactly. But there's so much going on with being prejudiced mm-hmm. because you you can sit in your own homes. You can sit in your own neighborhoods. You look at a person and you think because they're not the same color as you or they're not the same size as you or they don't look the same as you, then you shut them out of your world. Yep. And that's not what God intended right. us to do. He didn't die on the cross for just just for the white people. That's right. Or just for the the big, beautiful, gorgeous people mm-hmm. or for the slender, tall people. Yeah. He died for every one that's of right. us. Because he loves everyone. Yeah. So Christians, read Ezekiel thirty three, okay? Let's let's do let's be passionate about sharing the love of Christ. Right. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem. Those who have ears, let them hear. We ask, we continue, we encourage you to listen to July 19th, which is the part two of this, Witnessing to Muslims. Next, July 12th, Levi, we will. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.